You know, starting an episode of Nights of the Deep Pad reminds me of the time that as a child. <laughs> Speaking of segues. <laughs> yeah, welcome everybody back to another episode of Nights of the Deep Pad. We have got a fun topic today. We will be discussing nostalgia in gaming. But before that, of course, we're getting into some news topics. We have a special guest here once again. Uh, our guest this time is Professor Kevin John. Say hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> From BYU's School of Communications. He's pretty cool. Um, we also have another special guest, a little impromptu on this one, but it's my son, Liam. I am holding him in my arms right now. So if you start hearing baby noises, that's him. Uh, Say hi to the Kyle. audience, that's Kyle. That's just Kyle. Yeah, that's just Kyle. <laughs> Actually, no child. It's just Kyle making cooing noises. <laughs> he is literally a baby. <laughs> a really big onesie. Day 28, I have gained their trust. They don't know that I'm a baby. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Court mm-hmm. is uh, MIA. He's with family right now at a family reunion. Yep. Continuing the... Someday court will learn what advance noticing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, he needs he, to get his and, and I, straight. I think I just think it's funny that I was the one that mentioned it. You were the I, one that told me. I, yeah. I, I, I drove him to the airport this morning, and so I was like, "Wait, if I'm driving to the, the airport, how is it? He's going to be on the plane when we start the recording. How is he going to be at the recording? <laughs> oh, eventually, court will give me more than one or two days' notice that he will be missing in a given week. Eventually, right? Eventually, but that'll that'll be one of our signs of the times at that point. Signs of the times court gives me a week notice that he's going to be absent. <laughs> oh, oh. Yep. It's uh, the joys <laughs> of running a podcast, right? Yeah. With yep. an irregular schedule for summer. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, let's get into some of the news. There's been some Great some interesting news. stuff going on. Uh, Aiden, do you want to get started? Off. We'll start off yeah. with Twitch continuing to make all of their content creators upset so <laughs> earlier this week <laughs> twitch tweeted out or like put out new like content guidelines for branded content so ads basically saying that content creators would no longer be able to have like burned in video ads so basically ads that they would show themselves rather than twitch's like natural ad system natural. so like, they wouldn't be able to natural quote unquote so like they were saying that like content creators wouldn't be able to have like burned in video ads or like burned in uh brand logos and that or like banners and that if they had content logos on them they couldn't be any more than three percent of the screen size what's really funny is that in the graphic that twitch put out to demonstrate that the graphic on the screen was more than three percent of the screen size (laughs) (laughs) they're like here the graphic can't it has to be this size and everyone's like well that one wouldn't be good for your content either so of course that major corporation try not to do something ironic challenge impossible So, of course, that made all of, like, the Twitch content creators very upset because that's, like, how they make all of their money is from those baked-in ads. And something that was even more concerning was how esports leagues who stream on Twitch would handle it because esports leagues have their baked-in video ads that play at breaks. They have their baked-in brand logos and the brand banners. And so with these with these, And they need their sponsors. Yeah, if these new content policies went through, then all of these streamers and all these leagues would not be able to get that kind of revenue on top of Twitch having already cut the revenue split earlier in the year. So, of course, everyone was very upset. And so Twitch 
then issued an apology saying uh, we apologize for the confusion created and we and that they will be removing that content policy immediately and that it will not be going into effect so they backtracked on that and everyone was like twitch you shouldn't have done that to begin with but yeah i mean i guess we can be glad though that they backed down rather than doubled down you know <laughs> i don't know i will i don't even want to know what would have been a doubling down on that one <laughs> you guys ever played halo 2 you got sergeant johnson dear humanity we regret being alien <laughs> that's, that's how twitch started the new <laughs> you know speaking of halo 2 another smaller bit of news but uh halo master chief collection is on sale for like freaking ten dollars right now you know I just bought myself a copy of it, so I might need if you want it, my now's PC. the time. I need a weapon. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, I can never mind. <laughs> <laughs> took a minute to get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought Mans was literally just out here p- trying to threaten about wanting to get 10 bucks for Master Chief Collection. <laughs> He's like, I need to go rob someone real quick. Hold on. <laughs> rob someone real quick. I gotta get my Master Chief Collection. Gotta get those 10 bucks. Somebody get this man a gun. Someone get this man a gun. <laughs> so yeah, Twitch uh, is continuing to just make themselves less and less desirable as people now are continuing to move over back to move over to YouTube to stream uh, with contracts or even just other platforms that have popped up. Uh they're, Twitch isn't doing themselves any favors. Like, yeah, they backtrack, but the fact that they put out that original branded content policy to begin with is concerning, to yeah. say the least. So, gear act together, Twitch, please. Please. <laughs> they want a slice of the pie. They can't have people making money on their platform that they're not, not getting a piece of, is what they're saying. Yep. Greedy, greedy. <sighs> it's a pity. All right. Well, on some better news, a company actually acting like at least we're somewhat responsibly in recent years. Diablo 4 has finally been released, and it's actually good. I wouldn't say that it's a company acting responsibly. This is Blizzard we're talking about. Yeah, this is Blizzard. I'm just saying, in a shocking turn of events, Blizzard releases a huge game without immense amounts of controversy. Don't you guys have phones? No, that was the original. So that was the original. Okay, yeah, that, that flew over everybody's head. That was the original. Sorry, I, I never played any of the Diablo games. I'm so. not a Diablo. Yeah. Diablo Immortal was a big, uh, piece of garbage, but. Yeah, well, it's that, like. That was the whole news conference thing with Diablo Immortal. Like, everybody yeah. got pissed off because they're like, it's a phone thing. He's like, don't you guys thing. have phones? Sorry. All right, yeah. moving on. <laughs> a mainline Diablo game in the mainline Diablo series. Game. Diablo 4 is popping. Yep. It's not some off brand cash grab. It's yes. a completed game. Piece of crap. It's an actual complete game that they I just released. I believe it's according uh, and, to... And, and for promotional content, they <laughs> lit Canada on fire. That way, <laughs> that, that, that way the ads would look that much uh, cooler the billboard, in the New York smoke-filled city. That photo, that photo of the billboard ad in New York where it's like, welcome to hell, New York. And it's just the burnt orange sky. Whoever, I, I, like, whoever put that banner ad up deserves a raise. Yeah, that is situational comedy at its finest. Fires will continue to Fires. burn until sales improve. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. But yeah, I only I, I don't play Diablo, but I have some buddies who've been playing it. They've been enjoying it. And I no. believe it's like one of their fastest selling games ever, just because I guess oh, everyone probably. was just I mean, the first Di- the third Diablo game came out a while ago. Diablo 4 has been pretty heavily anticipated for years, and the, the fact that it finally released and it actually worked at launch, which is like kind of unheard of for AAA companies these days. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, there have been a few bug fixes and stuff that have caught some attention, but nothing that drastic. No, it it seems like it's doing pretty well. And what's really funny is, so like you know, they've released it on all the major platforms. However, it's not available on Mac. And Whoopi Goldberg on her Instagram account was like pleading the Blizzard. She was like, "This is what I'm asking you, Blizzard. This is Whoopi. You know how much I love Diablo." I would like y'all to let those of us who use our apples play. Allow us to play on the apple. Take Diablo floor and let us do it and have a great time. Uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. I would never have anticipated Whoopi Goldberg was a Diablo fan. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't she know. Took the movie Sisters Act to heart, man. She's going to go out there. <laughs> She's going full paladin now. There uh, we go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that on my bingo card, but here we are. No. <laughs> so we'll we'll see if it, I'm surprised honestly that it wasn't ported to Mac because Blizzard has outside of the last like couple of years has usually always put their stuff on Mac. They love putting stuff on Mac. It's a pretty easy workaround though. She just Yeah. <laughs> she needs to know the workaround. Get the yep. get the virtual machine <laughs> or just a Windows computer. Or just a you Windows know, just computer. a real computer. <laughs> a real computer. <laughs> Shots fired. If you're gaming on a Mac anymore, I think it's time to move on, guys. Uh-huh. Move away from the gaming on a Mac. It's not made yeah, for it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's not made for it. No. If you're gaming on a Mac, were you ever really gaming? Were you no, ever no, really don't, gaming? Don't, well, like, don't send the hate mail to my office. <laughs> well, genuinely, I watched a video that they gave this, this guy who was a part-time Minecrafter and a part-time video creator. Like, Okay, he, then he, you... Like, okay, Mac. Okay. Yeah, it's videos, and so Macs are good for like. Macs are good for that. Macs mm-hmm. are good for that, and so he's like, I wanted to see. I just bought a new Mac, a Mac station, costed like ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars, some mm-hmm. some crazy massive number. That's I want to see how it does compared to my three thousand dollar gaming. <laughs> and he proceeded to play on it, and he got like fifty to thirty less frames per second. Oh my god! Macs just aren't built for gaming. They're just <laughs> not made for it. However, if you want to just get the new, get the new VR, get the new AR headset for thirty five hundred dollars next year, maybe you can game on that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can game on Apple's headset. Apple's massive augmented reality headset, where they looked at Google Glass and was like, "What if it was bigger? What if it looked like mm-hmm. ski goggles?" <laughs> people would want to wear this around their day to day if I could if I, I, I am not an Apple guy but if I could configure that to play BFG Division from Doom every time I put it on and I could pretend I'm the Doom Slayer I'm in I'm in just give you just give you the, the HUD from your favorite game just customize that and have it overlaid dude no just have the Minecraft function. HUD yeah. <laughs> walk around live with your Minecraft HUD <laughs> You just have the Google Maps, just like a mini map in the corner. It becomes like Scott Pilgrim. You've got like the P meter on the side. <laughs> <of> the <laughs> exactly. Just have the gaming HUDs. Just throw some mods on that. That'd be that'd be cool. That'd be yeah, cool. Even if it has like almost no other function, you know, just, other than just a walking around HUD. with the gaming HUD. <laughs> just have your Tears of the Kingdom gaming HUD up on there your you face. Go. Or no, if we did the Minecraft one, we could have an optional feature where like the the it has like the hunger bar that like counts down since your <laughs> last meal. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels like it's measuring how hungry you actually are. Uh this yeah, no. That's true. That's true. Yeah, just like with a bunch of other things, guys, the people in those big companies really just need to watch this podcast. We could make them so much money. <laughs> I know, right? We could save them from so many terrible business decisions. <laughs> 
Why need writers? They're on strike. Just hire us. Come on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You didn't have to go there, Ben. <laughs> not the writers. As but, much as I would love to write for a TV show, I am not crossing that picket line. <laughs> no, Speaking of uh, going on strike. So, yeah, this at the start of June. All right. We were supposed to have the North American League Championship Series was supposed to start June 1st. But due to some drama, which we talked about in our last episode, mm-hmm. it was delayed because nine over 90 percent of the players agreed to walk out in exchange for because they had some uh, needs they wanted to met for the North American Challengers League, which is basically like the uh, pathway for homegrown talent to make their way to uh, professional uh, LCS leagues. And so uh, finally, after about two weeks, which the uh, season has been delayed, they agreed, they made, they reached an agreement and now LCS will be starting on the 14th. It was getting close because the riot had been like, all right, if we don't get a deal in two weeks, we're just going to cancel the split. And everyone's like, wait a minute, don't do that. Yeah. All, all, all the all the North American teams are not going to be able to make it to Worlds yeah. if they don't come to an agreement. And so finally, and then so with that agreement, here are some of the uh, agreements put under this. There is <clears throat> a minimum of 30 days severance pay for termination without cause for any player earning up to one and a half times league minimum salary and a 15 days notice for any player competing on a visa. Uh, <clears throat> there will be a memorandum of understanding Ooh. that establishes <laughs> meetings and notice parameters to ensure all parties are aligned before any future decisions are locked. And then some other minor things like uh, foreign players have mandated health care. Um, NACL has a team participation agreement, which means that they'll have to abide by minimum standards to receive payments from Riot. Riot. And so it's all these things to try and keep the North American Challengers League alive, Um, which has shown like, you know, they are saying that like Riot is trying to kill North American Challengers League and because it's less profitable and it's easier to hire um, players from abroad, foreign talent. And, you know, it it just works better anyways. But they wanted to keep the pathway for homegrown North American talent to make it up to major leagues. And so, like, going along with that, a little-known content creator going by Disguise Toast created his own North American Challenger League team. (laughs) It did. And fun fact... BYU alumni, uh, who who goes by the game game name Young, oh Young's is on, the... on that team. Wow, hey, not and bad. So, they grabbed him from the the Golden Guardians bench. Mm-hmm. They grabbed him from the Golden Guardians bench, and so now uh, he's playing for that team. It is still up in the air whether or not this is going to be a profitable or <clears throat> uh, good venture. Because rumor has it that Disguised Toast is losing a lot of money on this well, team. Welcome mm. to esports. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it will be interesting to see as we can maybe get more independent and content creation focused teams going into North American Challengers League to maybe like build up a little bit more hype and have things be yeah. more exciting. Because like viewership was already super low for the North American Challenger League streams. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Riot was kind of like, eh, okay, we'll just cut it. But 
Yeah. You know, with a little bit of support and with a little bit of outside support too. Maybe we can have the North American Challenger League be something people want to see and are excited to look at. Well, and on the topic of esports, this wasn't on the agenda, but I don't know why I didn't put it on there. So on the topic of that sort of thing and making money, the Overwatch League had some stuff happen as well. So the parent company of the Toronto Defiant team, Overactive Media, had a an agreement made with the Overwatch League. And I think all the other teams in the league had the agreement as well that will waive all of the remaining fees that the teams had to pay, which were wow. was upwards of hundreds of millions of dollars because each team paid 20 to 35 million for entry because Bobby Kotick somehow got all of these investors to jump on this bandwagon back in 2017 but so <laughs> they they don't the, the teams now no longer have to pay their fees that would have been sitting on there and that was making a lot of teams because those fees are what was tying a lot of orgs to the league because there are some orgs that clearly don't care about the league anymore Namely, like the Immortals, Immortals Gaming Group, like the team that they're fielding for the Los Angeles Valiant is not very competitive. Uh, The team fielded by the Vegas Eternal is not very competitive. The Chengdu Hunters organization doesn't even have a team, but they have to stay in the league because they have all these fees. But now these fees have been rescinded and pulled back and don't have to be you know, paid anymore. It allows these orgs that don't want to be around anymore to just leave. And it also would allow new orgs to join the league because there's no, you know. 35 million dollar buy-in required (laughs) so this combined with whatever ends up happening with the microsoft deal might mean the overwatch league is not dead in the water quite yet thank goodness for my sanity (laughs) Uh, but when this news broke earlier late uh early last week it was it was good to hear because each team owed probably at least like seven and a half million dollars to the league a lot of so lots of people are guessing that this may have something to do with Microsoft wanting to clean house and have just a blank slate when if the buy-in goes through. There's no confirmation of that, but it would make sense if Microsoft yeah. was just wanting to clean the books and not have to worry about all of these extra agreements that were made beforehand. But regardless of the reason, I think it's it should help the league and help these teams out not have to worry about that because most of the teams aren't really making much money when they had these fees, but now these fees aren't something they have to worry about. It should help them try to get to some kind of profitability if possible. So there we go. I think. And so just one more, I guess, one more thing of Mm -hmm. news. The League of Legends midseason update is coming through. And so with that, and this is the first year where they're doing it, there will be a ranked reset where. Like a full, like, wait, 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 like a full MMR ranked reset? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. It used to be just once a year. Now they now they're doing it like you're still it's not like a full reset. Like oh, okay, it's just the, the, like you still okay. have a general MMR rating, but your rank will reset and you'll have to like redo your placements. Placements. Okay. And so, but with this, they're adding a few new changes. There is going to be a new rank between plat and diamond called Emerald. Mm. They're hoping to do that mm. to kind of even the distribution uh, distribution of players because like right now it's like thirty percent of players are in silver, and so they're hoping maybe to help ease out distribution uh they're removing promotional series entirely so before if you wanted to go from silver one to gold four you had to do what was called a promotional series where you would reach 100 lp then you'd have to play a either best of five or best of three where um if you you win two games you promote to gold but if you and lose if you two lose... games, you go back 25 LP. Dude. So they're being removed entirely. So now, once you reach over 100 LP in Silver 1, you'll go straight to Gold 4. 
You reach 100 LP gold one, go straight to platform, stuff like that. And uh, they're working to fix issues with Clash. I don't know if y'all know a little bit about Clash. It's like the kind of uh, monthly little tournament thing hosted by Riot where like mm-hmm. you join in with five friends and you just get put into this random little bracket to have fun and do a little bit of competition. Built-in and tournament brackets. We love to see it. Now, instead of getting rewards based on your placement, you get rewards based on how many games you play, not just to win. Mm. Okay. Which be interesting. I'm not sure exactly how it'll work, but we'll see. Um, the champions, Lee Sin and Timo, are having their uh, visual reworks finished in 2024. Uh, skins that were only on the Riot Mobile, the League of Legends Mobile version, are now being brought over to the computer version, such as the I Seraphine, forgot. Oriana, and Senna Star Guardian skins. They I forgot. I forgot League skins. had a mobile game. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um. There is a Samira Ultimate skin coming out. Uh, there's a little bit more info about the new champion um, and a little bit of updates about the 2v2v2v2 game mode coming out. What is this? The Chinese checkers of League of Legends? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's basically mostly what happened in this kind of mid-season update. Wow. Maybe they should just kill the mobile game and finish season two of Arcane real quick because I think that's the best thing they got going. <laughs> yeah, probably, it is pretty good. <laughs> but I, I honestly like. I'm, I'm sad to see that they're getting. They had to delay it back till 2024. Oh. But um, yeah. I, I, I prefer because I said they decided the reason being they want to ensure the best quality, which I'm totally fine for because season one was incredible. There's a reason mm-hmm. it still has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, and so. Yeah, um, really good <laughs> show. Quality. I'd rather they have really good quality than just give me content. throw it out the door. Yeah, yep. yeah. Tears of the Kingdom style. Let it bake for a while. Let it bake exactly. And let, let them cook. The opposite <laughs> of Marvel Cinematic Universe Stage Four. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my true. Goodness. True. 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 So true. So true. True. All right. I think that's oh the the one final thing is apparently a uh, Illumination Universal. They're working towards that Legend of Zelda movie, Kyle. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I've heard some. There's some rumors floating around. I the don't know if they've been floating now. yet. Oh, I think it's just because they're looking at potentially doing something. Yeah, there's some nothing, nothing official, but you got a bunch of people that are like uh, that are upset that Illumination would be tagged for Zelda because they're like it doesn't fit the tone of Zelda. Yeah, uh, it, it fits the tone of Mario, but not Zelda. But I would love to see Illumination take like a serious turn and show they could do like serious. That would be cool. Yeah deep emotional cool. animation with Zelda. Please don't give us something that's injecting pop songs into Legend of Zelda. We don't oh, need that. Oh, please no. Well, you if didn't I like hear hearing take on me, take on me. In, a, in a Zelda <laughs> movie, I'm going to become physically violent. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saw I saw a tweet where it was like me watching the Legend of Zelda movie as Zelda as a Link fights Ganondorf and I need a hero's playing in the background. <laughs> you know, that one would be acceptable if it's the version that was in Shrek 2. Otherwise, the Shrek no. 2 version of I Need a Hero. All they need to do is extend and release the video that's out there of the classic Zelda cartoon with Beavis and Butthead dubbed over. No. Uh, which is hilarious. My boy. Consult the Google. Uh, it's 15 minutes long, but give us a full cinematic version of that. I would pay money twice to see that. <laughs> no, just recreate and- the, the CDI cinematics. No, no, oh, no. We don't My talk boy. about those. 
<laughs> Even Nintendo doesn't talk about the CDI game. No, those were dark times. Those were dark times. But hey, speaking of times in the past, let's get into our special topic uh, for today: nostalgia in gaming. Now, I don't know if the CDI games will invoke actual nostalgia, nostalgia. for anybody, <laughs> but there are plenty of games that do, and for good reason. Uh, <laughs> the wrong kind of nostalgia from those games. Yeah, PTSD. I think I think that's just called PTSD. <laughs> that's PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The yep. CDI flashbacks. Yeah, goodness. <laughs> I remember watching some videos on those years ago on YouTube. There's so some bad. janky games. They're so bad. There's a part of me that, that like would be interested to even try one of them out at one point just to see what it's like. You masochist. But, yeah. <laughs> but then I'm like, I don't know how far I'd be able to get because it'd probably be too painful. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hey, actually, speaking of old Zelda games, uh, my shirt. Actually, it's dangerous to go alone. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the and it's got the the old sword from the original Legend of Zelda game. So yes. I figured this would be pretty perfect for our topic for today. So anyway, uh, Kevin, John, we've um, Kevin, John. Both yeah. your names are first names, by the way. I know like, it's, it's true. Just, you can just call me Doctor John. Don, no, no, yeah. nobody John. cares. <laughs> Kevin John, is fine. It. I've responded to John. I've responded to a lot worse throughout my life, but Kevin or John? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Hey, you with the face. Um, yeah, you with right. the face. <laughs> uh, why don't you? Why don't you kick off our section discussing oh. nostalgia and gaming? Oh man, I, I am basically the epitome of nostalgia in gaming, uh, and it's been really interesting for me to see how this nostalgia has influenced my life as an adult. So going back to wee Kevin days, way back in the day, 1988, 89, we got an NES. I was playing Mario. I was playing Zelda, things like that. I enjoyed those games, but where I really started to get immersed was in the super Nintendo. Mm. You had games like Chrono Trigger. You Mm. had final fantasy six and it Mm. was the entire package. They had this narrative that pulled you in. They had music that was gorgeous um, and I would spend so much time playing games that my mom would eventually kick me out of the house. And so I would go into the mm-hmm. woods with my friends and we would play Zelda in the woods, and <laughs> create these little micro economies of like sticks and things instead of rupees. And we'd build shelters and stuff, but it really, uh, video games, I didn't realize it until later became a very pivotal part of who I was growing up. And so naturally, as a kid, you sit there and you're like, I can't wait until I grow up and I have more money and I can buy more games. Uh, yes. So yeah. I just want to point out real quick just how you brought Zelda full circle there because the creator of Zelda was inspired by as a kid going out and playing in the woods. Yeah, me and, and then he made Zelda and then you go play Zelda and then you go out into the woods and you kind of make zelda out there as a flat circle (laughs) the cycle continues another hand (laughs) freaking merida yeah but it's like so you grow up and there's this there's this time when i was at college that was the perfect balance i started to have a little more free time i started to have a little more money and i could dive in to games and it was this perfect balance of i'd go do my serious adult things during the day and then get home and dive into games dive into narratives um but now as i'm older it's it's interesting my office is full of figures <laughs> yeah, i have hundreds yeah. of 
amiibo. I have like Final Fantasy figures in here and other things. And I really enjoy looking at them because they remind me of a time that was. But at the same time, I sit down in front of a game to play these days. And sometimes I find that I have the attention span of a goldfish. And I'm not <laughs> alone in this. Do you, no, guys, yeah. do you guys realize yep. this as you get older? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's like so so what is it what is this what is this force and and I can't help but say it's it's nostalgia it's me trying to relive that magic that I had as a kid when I would get lost in a game and immersed and I'm finding it so much harder as an adult so instead I throw money at it in order to get more and more <laughs> to remind me of this time uh, but throwing money at it is not solving the problem no. It's weird to to take so much comfort in these virtual worlds that I used to be able to dive into so readily. And now I want to, and I'm craving that, and I'm trying to get back to that, but you can't go back. No. Yeah. You know, I I feel that pretty strongly, especially in college myself. When I was a freshman, you know, I was under a lot of stress, just like getting used to the realities of college life. And so what I did was I... I pulled out my old Nintendo DS Lite and I started playing my old save file in Pokemon Platinum version. <laughs> yes. And I just started like training up my my team. I got to the point where like I was grinding my team against the Elite Four. <laughs> and but like even as repetitive as that was, the the touch of something from back when I was 12 years old um in my life at that stressful time, that nostalgia really helped me through the the stresses of of starting into college life and yeah. you know being more of a responsible adult and less of a, a teenager yeah so i feel that i feel that very strongly and yeah, even and it, now it, you know i'm i'm a dad now <laughs> everything uh-huh. in my life is different but i still find myself like craving that immersion that i've had over the years and having a harder time getting it yeah yeah and it's interesting, like bringing in bringing in that family aspect, that parent aspect, or even if you got nephews or cousins or something, I I take great joy in going to my daughter Cora and saying, "This is Chrono Trigger. So, <laughs> I love this. Dive in." This and is it's, Chrono Trigger. And then she's like ten years old, and so she's like, "Does anybody talk?" I'm like, "No, you have to read." And it's like. Uh, so I'm going to wait until she's a little older to fully immerse her in Chrono Trigger. But I'm, I'm realizing that there's a such thing as this um, vicarious nostalgia where yeah. I've got nostalgia for this. I want my kid to enjoy this. And sometimes mm-hmm. they do. And sometimes they don't because they're tiny humans with opinions of their own. But it's like that's an extension of trying to carry on what I feel like is this legacy. Yeah that I've built around video games and the culture and the enjoyment and the impact it had on my life, you know? Yeah. Well, and I always feel like I, I always feel that trying to recapture that through new games. So, cause it's like some of my favorite RPGs are like, you know, the star Wars Knights of the Old Republic games. Yes. And I'm now here today. I'm like, I want another RPG that makes me, that makes me feel like how I did when I played those games and I just can't find it. Uh-huh. And it like keeps me from playing some games because I'm like, no, I'm looking for this kind of game and it just doesn't exist. But then as an <laughs> Your adult, expectations have you are gone... too high. Exactly. Well, ahead, I just said his expectations were too high. Yeah. Have you gone back? Well, it's it's interesting because you you can't compete against yeah. the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Nope. The rose-colored glasses are strong. And I was gonna ask Aiden, have you gone back and played Knights of the Republic as an adult? Yeah, I have. How's it hold up? I, it holds up really well. 
nice to me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah to you, and, and it's interesting. And you give that to somebody else who's used to modern games, and they might be like, "I don't really see what the appeal is here." Yeah, because for them, it won't have for them the magic comes from something else. Maybe it's like the new God of War game. Maybe it's uh, you know, maybe it's Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe that's their first dive into Zelda, and they don't realize that Breath of the Wild was just like an alpha for Tears of the Kingdom. Is it's a play <laughs> test for Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, but- actually, along that topic, I finally got a copy of Tears of the Kingdom, and I've been playing it. But I'm experiencing an interesting nostalgia effect there because <laughs> really, well. Yeah, because like uh, Breath of the Wild became a, a game that just endeared itself to me so much uh, when it launched in what 2017, I think. Yeah. Um, and so before I, I booted up Tears of the Kingdom, I sat down on the couch and just played a little bit more Breath of the Wild, completed a few quests, a few shrines that I hadn't done. And then when I started playing Tears of the Kingdom, it was actually hard to, <laughs> to like get invested uh, during the non-story wow. moments when I'm just out in the world because I'm like, man, this is reminding me of all the things in Breath of the Wild, but I haven't unlocked the ability to do a lot of that stuff here in Tears of the Kingdom. I'm at the beginning of the game. I'm so fragile. Yeah, get I don't have much island. stamina. I don't have my abilities yet. This doesn't feel right. I wish I could do all of these other things. And I'm like, no, Kyle, you got to. This is the sequel. Go play don't go game. back. Don't go back to Breath of the Wild where you have the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. It's funny, though, because as you get through Tears of the Kingdom, get off that first island. It takes freaking like three hours. I hate the baked in tutorials in Zelda (laughs) games, and yet they've been in every single one since uh, Ocarina (laughs) at this point. But like uh, once you get off that island, I can't go back to Breath of the Wild. I could go back Mm. and enjoy it for a little bit, but I, I, I wouldn't be as immersed. Because now, like, Tears of the Kingdom has so many different levels of immersion that it brings in. And to me, it brings my mind back to A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo, which is my pivotal Zelda experience. That, Mm -hmm. for me, was the formative Zelda experience. The first Zelda was okay. Second Zelda, as a kid, I was like, what the crap is this? I've grown to respect (laughs) it a little bit. Um, but a link to the past in terms of immersion, I was like, wait a minute, you have a light world and then you have a whole dark world. And I was like, what? <laughs> and most of the game is in the freaking dark world, which has a killer soundtrack, by the way. Uh, and so for me, like having the way I don't want to spoil anything for Tears of the Kingdom, but the way that Tears of the Kingdom is structured mm-hmm. harkens back to that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so Tears of the Kingdom is hitting the right nostalgia buttons for me where I've had little sprints of that immersion that I had as a kid. Yeah. It's, it's not constant, but it's little sprints of it. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Just enough just to, to scratch the itch. Yeah. Until final fantasy 16 comes out in like 13 days. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Until final fantasy comes in. The, the question I've got uh, for you, Kevin is when you're, what what aspect of a game brings that nostalgia the most? Is it like music? Is it um, game mechanics? Like what what for you personally? What bring what makes you feel nostalgia the most when it comes to a game? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. Um, for me, um, it is mostly music, the music, and then the narrative is right under that. So when I think of like Chrono Trigger, like. When you hear a theme like Corridors of Time or 600 AD or some of the songs that are on there, you can YouTube those if you're not familiar with them. Um, it instantly teleports me back to the emotions 
that I had during that time. And the funny thing is those emotions are not entirely contained within that game. I can remember the smell of my grandma's musty basement (laughs) as I played (laughs) Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger and everything growing up. That little basement in front of this tiny little TV had everything I needed, eating Sprite, uh, apples, and cheese as I sat there and played (laughs) Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana. But like the music more than anything else draws me in. Like some people are into the mechanics. Some people need their randomization. They need their loot boxes. They need something to strive for. For me, it's not achievement. For me, it's primarily emotional and that gets conveyed through characters and music. So Chrono Mm -hmm. Trigger and Final Fantasy VI and Secret of Mana are all the crack of the Super Nintendo era. (laughs) Because they they hit all of the elements to perfection. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to to hop in on this and like just voice my wholehearted <laughs> agreement here because uh, it's funny you mentioned grandma's basement because that was my experience with the Super Nintendo as well. Uh, my grandparents in Washington, we'd go up to to visit them, and during our trips up there, my older brother Darren and I, we would turn on the old Super Nintendo in the in the basement. We'd play Super Mario World, and we would play Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. And they had the box for Chrono Trigger, but we couldn't find the game cartridge, so we never got uh-huh. to play it, which is a, a crying shame. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think of Final Fantasy VI, and I remember being just this kid, you know, this little kid in this basement experiencing this masterful story for the first time um, and being like, whoa, like not in t- completely understanding the, the gravitas of what's happening in the narrative because I'm still so young. But yeah. understanding how cool it is and how fun it was, and then I, I have the so the soundtrack on my Spotify, and I'll pull it up and listen to it. Yeah, and and I think Final Fantasy VI is actually responsible for me being uh, really loving of pixel art nowadays. Yes, because you know the old sixteen bit games, everything was pixel art, so you had to be real creative with how you did that. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, mm-hmm. you see people doing pixel art just recreationally because we can, not because we have to. <laughs> and it's it's still just so good. I love it so much. Well, good pixel art, like uh, uh, Stardew Valley, Concerned Ape, who made that. Mm, I feel yes. like he was inside my head when he made Stardew Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Stardew Valley, yes, it's a farming game. I was never into Harvest Moon or anything like that. But if you look, Abigail in that game has a Super Nintendo, and her clothes are reminiscent of Chrono. And there are so many callbacks to that era of gaming that Stardew Valley for me, I put hundreds of hours in Stardew Valley because it hit that nostalgia note and mm-hmm. like the pixel art, the feel, the, the soundtrack, everything. It was just wonderful. And, and it's like we, we mentioned pixel art, but not all pixel art is created equally. This is very true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Some pixel art for me does not hit the nostalgia notes as well as Stardew Valley did. It just hit that mm-hmm. aesthetic that mm-hmm. was very common around Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, that era. Um, but like growing up, um, I didn't realize this until I was older, but even the feelings that I had around video games, I had a good home life. I had a mom who would come in and wake me up. And my dad, who he knew most of the time he was, he was around when he wasn't working and stuff. And um, like I hear the home music from Chrono Trigger like when you first wake up, it's like Chrono, wake up, sleepyhead. <laughs> and that reminded me of like my house and things uh, growing up. And so this nostalgia for me is not just it's not just video games. It's not let's let's all bow to the holy altar of video games. 
it's this represents a time in my life that I can no longer go back to. And so I think that's the main driver of filling my office with all of these statues mm-hmm. and other things. Um, but really, if if given the given the choice between what those things represented to me, the the family, the emotions and stuff like that, all the statues and everything here could burn as long as I can, <laughs> keep memories, you know, yeah, they're just representations of a memory. Mm hmm. So I think with that, how often how often do you go back to play some of those old games? Oh goodness. Okay. Well, let me lay a caveat. Asterisk. Um, <laughs> how often do I watch things related to those old games? Frequently. I'll mm-hmm. be at work. I've got I did a, I did a nice 50 minute sprint of work and I'm like, I need to detox. And so I'll <laughs> go on YouTube and I'll turn on like uh, a let's play or a speed run or something of chrono trigger or something or castlevania symphony of the night which i freaking loved and just have it running off to the side as i'm working mm-hmm. it so i can dive back and forth into this but when it comes to actually playing those nostalgic games i have an analog super nt i've got an snes classic an nes classic i've got emulators on my computer and stuff um but honestly i haven't played one of those classic games in over a year i know I want to, I think about it often, but (laughs) as an adult, it's the end of the day. I got the kids in bed. I sit down on the couch. My wife is watching a K drama or some anime or something. And she's like, what do you want to do? And in my mind, I'm like, I could go play something. I have like two hours right now. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit. (laughs) And that's like the, that's the sad state of an exhausted adult. Sometimes I think right now is I have time to do whatever I want. But guess what? I'm tired. You don't have the energy to do it. I don't have the energy. Yeah. And it's not just physical energy. It's like mental energy. I think constant connectivity. I teach a media effects course here at BYU. Mm-hmm. Constant connectivity uh, exhausts us. It gives us the psychological burden of all of those people that we are connected to through social media on a constant basis. And so I think sometimes that burden just weighs on us and makes it difficult to find time for ourselves maybe to play some classic games and other stuff. But yeah, the quick answer to your question was it's been about a year. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. I don't, but my, my, my nostalgic (laughs) games are not from the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) The number of times I will just be like, you know what? I'm booting up burnout three and no one can stop me. That's right. Yeah. I think it does change though, uh, as your life circumstance changes, right? Cause like, I'm pretty sure uh myself and professor john here are the only ones who are married <laughs> yes so at least ben and i the... are not having to worry about home life <laughs> yeah. yeah and so it's like and I, and you know it, it, it did change when i got married because yeah. you know I, i'll it's like you're talking about you know i'm exhausted after a long day my wife wants to watch tv even if i'm not too invested in the show that she's picked i want to be in the room with her you know, and I want her to yeah. feel like I'm present. So I'm not just going to be sitting there with my laptop and my headphones totally in my own world playing yep. a game uh, without her because that's not the connection yeah. that I'm looking for with my family. Yeah, I'll tell you, the last game that I really got fully, fully immersed in, like crazy immersed, was Final Fantasy 15. And it uh, took me by no. surprise because <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 was not a perfect game at all no. just so you know broken story there's a lot of head canon that goes into what you're thinking about certain characters <laughs> that are not explored in the game. but 
um, you know, right at the very beginning when you started up, it's like a Final Fantasy for classic fans and newcomers alike. Like they put that on the screen because it's a different take on things. But for me, like I sat at the title screen for about 15 to 20 minutes when I first turned it on. Oh man. The music was gorgeous. There it said Final Fantasy on the screen. And it was like it wasn't related to any of my prior Final Fantasy experiences. It was totally mm-hmm. new. And yet it was like familiar. And I was like, I just want to exist here for a bit. <laughs> and then, you know, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer back in 2008. Uh, I was 25. And so that starts to make you feel like you're wandering a bit without a map because I, I relied on my dad a lot to bounce ideas off of and things. And the central storyline in Final Fantasy 15 is you got this prince and he's got his three friends and the king sends him off his dad and you're not exactly sure why. And this is very early in the game, so no major spoilers, but through random shenanigans, the dad knew that things were going to go south and he was going to die and he does. And what was originally a bachelor, let's all go kind of party thing, party atmosphere, the car broke down, let's push it in and turns into this very serious, oh, crap, I am the son. Why didn't my dad tell me any of this? Now I have to step into his shoes. And the like one of the central themes throughout the game here it was here's chocobos and all these things I was nostalgic about with this theme that was highly relevant in my life of what do I do? When my dad's gone, all coming together into this masterful story that ultimately um, ends in what I saw a very satisfying yet tragic way. And I loved it. And so Final Fantasy 15 is the last game that I really, really, really dove into. And I was hoping for more of that with 16, but they're going in a different direction and I'll allow it. (laughs) Yes, that's unfortunate. (laughs) But I mean, that is Final Fantasy. Every game goes in a pretty different direction. It does, unless you're yeah. talking about seven, seven remake, seven rebirth. So, <laughs> but let's change the story so we can somehow make it a surprise when Aerith dies again. Yeah. <laughs> surprise! Well, surprise. Hey, I mean, speaking about like nostalgia, you know they got to milk the nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII on the remakes. They if do. I had a nickel for every time Aerith died, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'd, not I'd, a lot, I'd, but it's I'd surprised have 10 it's happened. Cents, which isn't a lot, but it's weird. It's surprised it's happened twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's another topic, though, when it comes to nostalgia, is like at, at what point do games try too hard to get into that nostalgia of modern games? Because we see it with movies as well, where they try mm-hmm. and pander, where it's yeah. like nothing's, there's nothing wrong with pandering to nostalgia, but I feel like there's a line where you do it too much. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give a slightly controversial opinion here, I think. And I would say that the Nintendo 3DS re-releases or remakes of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask did that. Mm. And here's 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 what I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to say with that Need is your case. Um, <laughs> This is for death here. This is so you can avoid the death sentence right now, boy. Right now. Here it is. <laughs> here's my argument. Here's my argument. Um Either they were trying too hard to milk nostalgia or they just didn't want to put a ton of effort into it is, is what I'm saying. Because, well, they did do a lot of things. Um, they kept the janky, like, uh, uh, animations. They didn't clean it up. a graphical upgrade. So you have higher res textures, but the animations still look like they did from back in the nintendo 64 era and so you have this weird combination of hd 
and jank. And oh, so like, the jank the golden, the golden trash bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh. And so, like, the, the jank makes sense with the Nintendo 64 because that was limitations of the hardware, you know, technological limitations. Suddenly, you take away the technological limitations, you do things to show you have taken away the technological limitations, and yet you still keep things that were only there and the way they because were because of the of technological limitations. <laughs> because of the technological and yeah. so, like, I, and some people, like, I talked about this, some people are like, well, you know, it just makes you feel more nostalgic to see the old animations. And I'm like, I would have felt better seeing a refresh on the animations to convey the same idea, but with, like, what we can do now. It keeps the magic going. So well, I think that's my argument of why they tried too hard to milk the nostalgia <laughs> instead of, like, trying smartly to milk the it's nostalgia. It's like the idea of, like... If I'm trying to play a game for nostalgia's purposes that's been remastered, I'm not I'm not going to get my nostalgia through the janky physics. If they did a remake and a remaster of Sonic 06, I'm not going in there going, you know what? I'm really hoping the game's busted. That's really going to take me back. <laughs> <laughs> that childhood trauma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can I give you can I give you an example on the opposite side of the spectrum, which I think no. is also milking uh, nostalgia. Okay, Final Fantasy 7 remake. Okay, it is polished. Oh, it's it is gorgeous. And I got bored. Oh, I got bored. Oh, even oh no. 10 hours into the game. So Kyle, I, I think it's on the other side of that. I, I, I love <laughs> Kyle's now. It's his turn to say, now plead your case. <laughs> now yeah, plead I'll, plead, your I'll case. plead my case. I'll plead my case. Defend okay. yourself. <laughs> In the back of my mind is my original Final Fantasy VII experience. Mm-hmm. My expectation is I'm going to be out of Midgar in four hours and then I can get to the game. And it's like they killed the pacing of the original story for side quest with Tifa and cats. And here's Aerith. Oh, let's go walk. Let's go uh, walk around on the roof. Oh, it's very funny when Aerith drops the S-bomb. That's so hilarious. (laughs) And it's like – and I loved the characters. I absolutely loved the characters. But I got so bored because the pacing was killed. It was – Oh no, here's Avalanche up on the tower. We have to come save them. They're all going to die anyway. Um, But it's like, we need to get there now. And so you run, 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 you're getting there. And in the original game, you get right there and you fight off the Turks. Well, in this one, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Side quest into the graveyard for two hours. Let's deal with some ghosts and some other other things. By the way, Avalanche is over there dying. Uh, And it's like, it killed the pacing for me. And I felt like it was... Like that was milking nostalgia for me in the wrong way Mm. because it, 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 it didn't do justice to the original story. I felt I loved it. It was gorgeous, but I was bored. Heaven help me. (laughs) <laughs> you're wanting your original experience just looking better but instead they took the original experience and were like let's let's throw some extra fluff in here let's throw some filler in yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, filler that's filler ruins so many things and somebody was like yes what for somebody's first final fantasy experience on reddit what's the best game they should play to start with somebody's like final fantasy 7 remake and i'm like no no <laughs> i was like that game is a mess and that's even i know the original storyline it's still difficult to follow what the shiz is going on in <laughs> they, am i allowed to do spoilers here or no i don't care i mean uh, seven remake go for it 
in the original in the original game, you have this awesome buildup to Sephiroth. You don't even see the guy. Your first introduction to the carnage that he can do is a massive blood trail going through Shinra headquarters, and you see the president of Shinra with Sephiroth's sword impaled through his back over his desk. Whoa, wow. The next introduction you get to Sephiroth, which you never saw, was uh, uh, one of these giant snakes that was preventing your progress from going to the next thing impaled on a giant tree. And then when you finally meet Sephiroth, it's in the flames of Nibelheim. And it's like, holy crap, this guy's a baddie. In this one, Sephiroth shows up right at the very beginning, and he's all like, hey, Cloud, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> you're a little crazy, aren't you? And he's like hanging around, and then they add in these fates. And so it's weird because I, – I don't know if I'm going too far here. But in the original Final Fantasy VII, everybody knows Aerith dies. It's going to happen. And you see little flashes forward to this. But in Seven Remake, they introduced these ghosts, which are some representation of like fate. And the final boss of Seven Remake, you're literally fighting against fate. Oh, no. It's it's almost like you're fighting against the original ending. And so Mm. at the end of the game, for somebody who knows Final Fantasy Seven, they show a scene of Zack walking towards Midgar. Like, Zack's dead. Zack is dead. (laughs) So they're like, oh, anything can happen now. So it almost feels like 7 Remake can't exist on its own as a good game. It's playing with the nostalgia that mm-hmm. people have for the original game and saying, oh, you never know what's going to happen. And personally, I feel like they're opening up the possibility that Aerith could survive just to ultimately show that you can't fight fate and they're going to kill her off anyway, hoping to get some emotional impact. But they're playing with nostalgia in a way that I just don't don't like didn't, it jive with me even though i love final fantasy i'll eat it for breakfast mm-hmm. yeah i i feel like this there's it kind of reminds there's something that i talked about earlier on the podcast where it's like you need needing to have a, an appropriate amount of respect for the source material um it feels like rather uh fitting here <laughs> um ah yeah because, like, don't get me wrong, I still think that Final Fantasy VII Remake, not only is it beautiful, but, like, um, game mechanics standpoint, it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, the way yeah. they, they managed to, to take a, a turn-based game and then turn it into real time and have it work Agreed. with the same a lot of the same mechanics like spells, that is still one of my, my favorite feats of innovative game design ever. Yes. Uh, not my very favorite, but one of them. Um, but, yeah, you make a good point that, like, if you dilute the original story, then, well, you dilute the original story, you know? It's like you're making Kool-Aid and you put in too much water. It doesn't taste good. (laughs) Well, it's like the the pacing of 7. I loved the pacing of the original 7, and they've thrown it all off. Like, I I can't think on the the, uh, the cuff here and think of a game, but imagine, like, there's a game where you think things progress perfectly from point A, point B, and point C, and then imagine you just threw an arbitrary two hours in between point A and point B where you're doing a side quest for cats or you're you got clouds massage (laughs) cloud cloud getting the best dress and it's like all these side quests i was like no these were all funny parts of seven but you've extended them to the point that they've now that it's not good storytelling can i say that or am i gonna you totally can say that it's 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 we've had wor- content and runtime. We've had worse takes on this. We've had worse takes on this. Okay, good. I'm glad that I'm. I'm glad that this is over uh, podcast and not in person. <laughs>
No, I mean, I mean, that, that all makes sense. It's like when all these games that are getting remasters and remakes, it's like you have to strike the fine balance of not messing too much with the original game to where you lose all of those people that are looking for an original experience while also being enjoyable for people who have never played the original. Because yeah. if you make a remake of a you know an NES or an SNES game, you can't like keep it exactly the same because modern gamers aren't going to really enjoy that. But if you mess with it too much, you're going to lose all those people that are playing it just to get a new experience. Yeah, and it's and it's a losing battle going up against nostalgia. You are at a major disadvantage. Uh, it is it's like a Final Fantasy turn based pincer attack uh, <laughs> because you've got you've got people that you want to provide that new experience for, but for the people with nostalgia, it is very difficult to please them because you're not they're not looking at that classic gaming experience in um, a rational way. No, <laughs> looking at it in the context no. of what they experience, and like if they had if they decided to remake Chrono Trigger, how are they going to compete with the smell of my grandma's musty basement? Yeah, uh, they can, <laughs> fun fact they memory. can't. They can't. It, it, inside the package, it comes with it's just a, like a moldy sock <laughs> that someone has just left in a basement somewhere. They've got, they've got mass production of those, mass production of the, the musty smell sock. Yeah, but, but nostalgia, you know, we, we touched a little bit on the on the financial aspect of nostalgia and we're seeing that everywhere not mm. just in video games you look at the marketing of like the ford bronco and they brought that back for some people or you've got like you, you see it in cars you see it in products you see like this 80s nostalgic wave that some people will attribute to stranger things but stranger things just took something that was already happening and ran with it yeah um I mean, think about all the different like movies and TV shows that have been rebooted recently. <laughs> all of yes. them. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Some better than others. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, and, and nostalgia can be ingrained very well. Like I look at Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It wears mm -hmm. its nostalgia on its sleeve, but it makes sense in the context of a character taken from an era and things like that. But there are other instances where it's just forced and it just doesn't work as well. And it's just like, this is cheap pandering. And no. Yeah. The cheap pandering. Don't do it. Don't, don't pander cheaply. <laughs> if you're going to pander, pander expensive. Pander expensive. Don't pander yeah. cheaply. Like across the spider verse. Yeah. If you're going to pander expensively and pander it expensively. Off. Yes. <laughs> that is how you do it. And it just worries because it's like, I love, I would, I like remakes because uh, it's like, for instance, like the Night Shield Republic remake that hopefully eventually will come to existence. We can I, hope. It's like <laughs> it, I worry that it's like they're going to try too much to make it like a modern title rather than laying lean on what made it good. Because it's yeah. like if they if they do what they did with Final Fantasy seven in terms of like, you know, taking the turn base and making it real time and then just left everything else as it was and upscaled everything. Yeah, there we go. We're good. But I feel like they're going to be like, no, we're going to here's a do exactly what they did with Final Fantasy VII's remake and be like, here's two hours of this. And here's this. And here's this. And it's Star Wars. So they're going to Kathleen and Star Wars. Kennedy it yep. up. And the pacing is mm -hmm. going to be all off. Yep. Oh, yep. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Shots fired. Sorry. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> Palpatine returned. No. <laughs> <laughs> Supplies. Uh, I, oh, gosh. That is so possible. It's terrifying. I, I, I worry because it's like you look at those games and it's like the first game is so good. And then you don't really have to do a whole lot to make people buy it again. You just no. make it a, a just make it basically an Unreal Engine and make some like real time combat instead and leave everything else exactly the same. Uh -huh. And people will buy the game no. happily. <laughs> but while Kathleen Kennedy enough, stands. <laughs> if you live long enough, you will see everything that you love uh, parodied Burn. and parroted 
until mm-hmm. it means nothing. Yeah, and that's a very depressing statement. But I, I think pinnacle Star Wars video game is Star Wars Battlefront Two, not yeah. the new one, the, the old, old one. 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 Right. I really like that one. Just like the simulations. Movies. Just give me that again. I'll be happy. Give me I'll the original. Give me the original OG yeah. Star Wars Battlefront Two. Mm. <laughs> which we have we've talked at length of that one <laughs> yeah we have you know some of the comments you said reminded me so i was just browsing through youtube the other day and this short comes up it's it's a comedian and the first thing he says is i have a message for everybody stop milking crap <laughs> stop milking it <laughs> you know and, and i'm like oh my gosh you have no idea man <laughs> yeah we're running out of ideas. It's freaking. It's like beating a dead horse, except the horse is already buried, and you're just hitting the <laughs> ground. It's buried under. It's dead, and you're only hurting yourself. Yep, you're hitting it so hard, you're just hurting yourself. The horse doesn't care anymore. That's kind of what the last few episodes of Book of Boba Fett felt like. Not going to be on. Or not going to lie here. You know, a lot of things are. It wasn't. It wasn't really the book. Yeah, the book of Boba Fett. It wasn't really Boba Fett by the end. It was. It was Mandalorian Mando. season three. Thank goodness Mando came in for season two point five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, but nostalgia is just. It, it's a powerful thing, and like you, you can't see it over there behind me. But I've got statues, those Kai Arts statues mm-hmm. from Final Fantasy fifteen and all that stuff. And I was on a study abroad with students in Korea. And those statues were considerably less expensive in Korea than they were here in the U.S. Yeah. And so I had I I came across uh, Luna Luna Freya from 15, and I took a picture and sent it to my wife, and I was like, I need to buy this. <laughs> and then in the picture, in the background, she saw Aerith and Cloud and Sephiroth, and she's like, Well, you're not just going to leave those, are you? And I was like, <laughs> Well, if you're giving me permission. Is that permission I hear? I ended up leaving Korea with uh, six of those, including a Terra from Final Fantasy VI. You don't get, you don't find figures of her very often, except for the freaking fourteen thousand dollar one that SquareSoft is uh, is selling. Speaking of milking, Um, yeah, but yeah, just want my Final Fantasy VI merch. Dang it. (laughs) I know, yeah. I would show it to you, but this is a podcast, so just imagine it in your mind. And it's imagine in your mind. Yes. Oh, I gotta go to Korea. I can though. read your mind. Romantic. <laughs> you like Castlevania, don't you? Oh, yeah. Man. Well, um, if you don't mind me making a quick transition here, Ben, I haven't heard you contribute a, a game that makes you nostalgic, and I want to, I want to, I want to dive into your brain a little. He's yeah, like League of a, Legends season one. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I started playing League of Legends in season 10, so I don't have much to contribute on that. But y'all are talking about all these old games like Final Fantasy and all this I'm kind of stuff. Like, the, I'm waiting for the like Minecraft. The, the oldest game I've played, I think, was um, like, I don't even know. It's I, I just, I, I, I didn't really start playing games until I was later in my years because my mom was very anti video games. Mm -hmm. And so I think like the two biggest sources of nostalgia for me are Minecraft and Mm. Undertale. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing with Minecraft, like I actually watched a, like a video essay on this, like (laughs) Minecraft is specifically designed to just really bring out that nostalgia and it does it so well. Yep. It does. Like the music just hits right where it needs to. To bring yeah. out that nostalgic feel, that feeling of want, wanderlust, all that kind of stuff where, you know, you have such a good setting for it. And then the music that goes along with it, bringing out that 
nostalgia for it. And well, then yeah, Undertale, like when the sun sets and you hear the music kick in. Bum, bum, yeah, when bum, you hear the original bum. original oh. sound, alpha soundtrack play. Yeah, it, there's a reason why everybody has that one week a year where they're like, wait, I can make a Minecraft world with the boys. And then you abandon it two weeks later because yeah. you had your nostalgia <laughs> fix. Yeah. It's settled. And Music then, is nostalgia. We, we've established yeah, that's what's we've established it pretty thoroughly. That's settled. Yeah. Point that's settled. settled. And, continue. <laughs> and then the thing was with Undertale. Undertale was like the first game where I genuinely cared about the story. Right. And actually got attached to the characters. Uh, Kevin, John, I don't know if you've ever played Undertale. I know but, all about Undertale. I started Undertale. Um, I'm not going to say I got bored. Other things came up in my life. <laughs> Adulting I happened. Know, I know the complexities of like the quasi morality system and other yep, stuff yep, that yep. Undertale mm-hmm. brings. And it sounds absolutely wonderful. I just need the time mm-hmm. to actually play it. Brandon Sanderson would agree with you, by the way. He loves Undertale. It's one of his favorite games. Yeah. <laughs> so makes sense w- with Undertale. Um, I got so attached to the characters. That's the reason I've, I've told these guys, yeah, but I've only it. played Undertale once because of the way the game works. It, like it tells you about how, like every time you play the game, game again, you were resetting their universe where if you got the good ending, they were living in the good ending. And then they were all just snapped back to that original okay. starting point messes with your head. And so it messes. And so that's why I knew about that little thing. And so I only actually played through it once. And you only got the good ending, right? I only got the good ending, the true, the true pacifist, and I just left it. And so, in my head, my head cannon is somewhere on that old computer <laughs> that is sitting in my parents' attic, like on that hard drive. They're just living out their perfect life the way they always wanted. And so, like listening to that music now, like that was the first time I think a game has made me cry. Mm. And so, listening to the music, it like it also has some really good like nostalgia hitting music. Oh, uh, yeah. Home, home from Undertale is such a good nostalgia hitting music. Yeah, like everybody parrots Megalomania, but the fact is there are several songs on that soundtrack that are just bangers. And they are, yeah. yeah, most of them are awesome. And so I don't have much just because I'm not. I'm a relatively young gamer per se. See, I wonder though. See, Undertale was developed heavily off of the aesthetic of your classic NES yeah, it game. Is. Not yeah. as far back to Atari, but mm-hmm. you're uh, uh, Earth. I think it was heavily based on or uh, inspired by Earthbound. Yeah, well, sense. no, it was. It was definitely heavily inspired yeah. by the whole Mother series. Uh, but Fans yeah, NES nice. the the NES aesthetic and even like uh, is it the Amiga? Um, that there are several aesthetics that were brought in for Undertale. And if you yeah. play those classic games, it'll look just like it. It'll be a very different game. But I almost wonder if you played a classic game like that, if you would possibly get some nostalgia for Undertale. Quick, by... go find Earthbound, Ben. <laughs> well, I have been I've been playing a little bit as uh what's it called? The Stardew Valley. Uh, and so Stardew I'm, Valley I'm... strikes again. Mm-hmm. I'll have to see <laughs> if that one can hit the same level of nostalgia. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because I know for me, having grown up with the Super Nintendo, it was all over the place. Because it mm-hmm. was just this is how this is how the games that I used to play felt is mm-hmm. what I felt like when I played that one. But uh, I'd be interested to see how you'd react to uh, to Earthbound. And then just watch all the MatPat theories about how Ness is sound. About Ness is Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Forgot about that. <laughs> Except you do actually have to kill things in Earthbound. You do have to kill things in Earthbound. <laughs> it doesn't give you a bad ending. No. 
Yeah, the it, it's it, that brings up a whole topic that I bring up in my class. This this could be a topic for another podcast. But talking about how people will talk about uh, like Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that, how <laughs> this is like an open world game, and it's true. If you want, you can just go sit on a roller coaster and ride the roller coaster and walk around town. But if you want to progress the game at all, you have to participate in the violence and the drugs yeah. and the hookers. And that's what the game is based around. And so that's a whole other podcast topic for how video games, even open world video games, what are the mechanisms for them rewarding you? And that's really a signal of how they intend that world to be used. And if you think of Tears of the Kingdom, Tears of the Kingdom takes that and puts it on its head where, yes, the story progresses through other means, but the story in some cases is not the central focus uh, for some people. It's the mechanics. It's the discovery and stuff like that. And people can get lost in the world, leaving poor Zelda to her fate for, uh, for a while. Because <laughs> they want to build their mecha. Because they yeah. want to build their mech suit. <laughs> I want to take down Ganon with a freaking Gundam. <laughs> I mean, you go take down Kurt... Matt Mercer with your Gundam. <laughs> That's right. I mean, after all, what did Court say last episode? He said he hadn't even progressed very far in the story because he was having was, too much yeah, fun too much messing fun. around in the world. Yeah, and that was the same case with Breath of the items. Wild, too. I mean, you've seen all the little comics of Zelda like, Link, you woke up eight years ago. Why have you not <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> it's, the me- it's the meme with Frodo and Gandalf. And he's like, Gandalf, where were you? He's like, sorry, Frodo. I was delayed. Cut to raving Gandalf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk Uh, about. We are getting close to the time when you need to head out. So I think there's a few more things that Ben got me thinking of that I want to bring up. Um, And like, we've all talked, you know, myself, uh, Professor Kevin John, Aiden, we've all talked about like different uh, older games uh, that have brought us a lot of nostalgia. But Ben brings up a good point that like the nostalgia doesn't have to always be from something super old. And I I would honestly list a nostalgic as one of my like just inherent personality traits because I've had times where I got nostalgia for a thing that happened two weeks prior. But it was so <laughs> great, and I don't think I can have it again. That is enough for me. Oh, no, I have that. I have that all the time. When I... When I think back to the like 2018, 2019, the first season or two of the Overwatch League, I always get nostalgic for it. Mm-hmm. I will find myself watching old montage videos from those early seasons because it's just like, I don't know, they would, they just had a feeling about them that just doesn't exist anymore in the league. And you just miss it. It's like, yeah, it was only like six years ago, but it still feels like it was just such a long time ago because it's, we're just so far lost from it. Yeah, yeah. you got those those memes where you've got like somebody showing a wholesome family experience and it's like core memory unlocked, you know, making references mm-hmm. like that. And I think sometimes nostalgia uh, comes from the the normal phases in our life where at the time we don't realize we're in a particular phase until yeah. we move out of it. And then mm-hmm. at that point, we think back to the feeling that we had and it's like, oh, wow. And and we don't realize sometimes as human beings, we're in a constant state of reinvention. Even while we're trying to chase stuff that happened in the past, we can't go back there. And so all we can do is integrate some of that into who we are in the future. And that's how nostalgia impacts where we're going. It's it's kind of crazy. And video games are an essential part of that for me, at least. Amen. Amen. That's pretty Amen. Good. That's a good way to <laughs> just end that. That's a good. That's yeah. a wrap, folks. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Uh, the uh, tip your waitresses. Uh, 
Oh, man. Um, yeah. I think it, it, any, I mean, well, no, I'm not going to ask for final comments. We're not going to open that door. Final comment has been said. <laughs> um, you had your chance. Now you, you, had now your you chance. can get nostalgic about it. So right. You can get nostalgic <laughs> about it. There is no rewind. Nope. No rewind. Mm-hmm. All right. So All right. the final things, Ben, it's time for us to talk about esports as always. Yay. My favorite. <laughs> you sound so sound so enthusiastic, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> Tell me about League of Legends. I guess there's not much to talk about because North America got delayed. Uh, and the others already finished, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. And so MSI is finished. Uh, I talked about that last week. So uh, North America, Europe aren't starting until this next, uh, well, I guess this upcoming week. But this week, We've had the start of the Chinese and uh, Korean leagues with a fairly regular start to things. I guess there was a little bit of drama with the team EDG, the uh, 2021 world champions, where they uh, their main ADC player was caught uh, using alternative accounts on Twitter to like do stuff related to prostitution to um general just like cause drama in between his own teammates too uh, and so oh, the burner account yeah the burner account he's been fired and they've okay. actually brought in the uh old esports legend uzi who like retired four years ago jeez <laughs> return of the king return, return of the, the king, king. <laughs> and so that it should be interesting to see i don't think they've played a game with him yet but it should be fun to see this this uh, old legend coming back Wow. Um, Speaking of nostalgia. Yeah. (laughs) But with the Chinese League, it's actually basically the exact same of what happened last year. Or not last, last uh, split in the spring split, Mm -hmm. where you have your top teams. Basically, where the top teams last split are the top teams this split. So things are going pretty normal. You have Apotop with four wins each, Billy Billy Gaming and JDG, the two teams that went to MSI. Mm Mm-hmm are up on top and then in the korean uh league the lck things are relatively kind of the same still stomping well it's actually they've only played really one game each but uh gen gt1 are still on top uh d delman kia or d plus kia now on top and just right now the the kwangong freaks I uh, have the highest, but that's only because they've only played two games against the lower seed teams. So, gotcha, gotcha. Other than that, things are looking fairly standard for the start of the summer split. Sweet. Things should Sweet. be exciting. All right, now time to talk about my favorite league. The Overwatch League had their uh, the knockouts of their spring split to determine who goes midseason madness. Uh, the Houston Outlaws and Atlanta Rain had already qualified because of their top two standing from the North American qualifiers. Uh, but then the rest of the Western teams, the remaining six, uh, remaining eight teams, uh, teams uh, 10 through, th- can I count? 11 through 13 did not qualify for the knockouts, but everyone else did. So the Boston Uprising and Florida Mayhem worked their way out of that double in bracket. So they'll also be going to Korea to join the Rain and the Outlaws. And then in the APAC region, the Hangzhou Spark and the Soul Infernal came out of that bracket on top. So the midseason madness bracket is now set. That is starting this coming weekend, starting with Hangzhou Spark versus Florida Mayhem, Houston Outlaws versus Boston Uprising, 
Double limb bracket goes over the weekend. And since they're playing in Korea, I'll be pulling some all-nighters this weekend. But you know what? You got to sacrifice what you got to sacrifice, you know? <laughs> I got to watch my Houston Outlaws finally win something. <laughs> uh, also, took that took place last weekend, I think. Uh, the Rocket League had their collegiate world championship, which is nice. pretty exciting. And happened That's pretty cool. Happened in Dallas. Uh, Dr. Bumman Academy took first place <laughs> uh, there i don't some just small regional college i guess dr bumman yeah dr, dr. bumman bumman doctor maybe boomin <laughs> i don't know b b u h man i don't know it's a smaller college and the fisher college took second place with northwood university in columbia taking third and fourth i mean first place walked away with 20k which isn't bad for a collegiate tournament not terrible um and then i don't think that it's, it's going to be a little while before rocket league has any of their uh, big big tournaments. I don't think they even have one coming up anytime soon. So we will uh, on hold for when those happen. Yeah, their next big tournament isn't until I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say. But big tournaments coming up for other games. Valorant's having Valorant Masters Tokyo coming up also this coming weekend. It goes through the end of June. So we'll be covering if we have another episode this month. It'll be mentioned. And then Call of Duty their playoffs will be starting on the 15th through the 18th. So that's also this coming weekend. So Call of Duty League is almost finished. Balance having their big thing. Overwatch is having midseason madness. So those will be reported on if next episode, regardless of when that happens. Who knows? Because <laughs> I don't. Season 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I'm still Tune in next time to hear Aiden's Dr. Bowman. I'm still laughing Bowman at Academy. Bowman. Sorry. I haven't progressed past that yet. That's okay. <laughs> Dr. Bowman, Waterloo University. Let's get these small colleges recognition, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have normal sports teams, so they're like, you know, we're going to put all our money into our esports. Yeah, you know what? I guess yeah. it's turning out. I it hope it pays out. off for them. I really do. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, well, I think that's time to wrap, huh? That's a wrap. Yeah. Knights of the D-Pad is a publication of the Daily Universe. We'd like to give a special thanks to Alan Neves, Miles Romney, and Melissa Gibbs for everything they did and do to help support us and continue to do this podcast, as well to Professor Kevin John for being our special guest of honor today. Thanks, Kevin. No problem. And being a great professor as well. I took his media (laughs) effects course. It's it's a lot of fun. On the side. Yeah. (laughs) On the side of being a nostalgic. (laughs) (laughs) Nostalgic master. Uh Uh-huh. Thanks, guys. Um, also, if you guys would like to reach out to us with feedback, ideas for topics, to say hello, or to send memes, I don't know, <laughs> you can shoot us an email at knightsofthedpadpodcast at gmail.com. That is all lowercase, no spaces, punctuation, anything, just knightsofthedpadpodcast at gmail.com. With that, let's sign off. My name is Kyle. I'm, I'm Aiden. Ben. I'm Kevin John. <laughs> <laughs> and we are the Knights of the D-Pad. See you next time. <laughs>